Pastor Robert is in Alamo, so uh, preaching over there. He'll be back uh, today sometime, traveling back. Can y'all hear this? All right, traveling back. So y'all continue to pray for him, and uh, they have good meetings down there, and he will have a safe trip home. Well, my wife is a whole lot more comfortable up here than I am. I keep telling her she married up, but nobody will believe me. She doesn't believe me. Nobody else will believe me. So anyhow, anyhow, get your Bibles out. There you go. Title of this is Staying on Track. How many of y'all want to stay on track? You know, you got God has got something specifically for you to do, and only you can do it in the way that that he needs it done. Now, you say, well, what happens if I don't do it? He'll find somebody else, but he has something specifically for you that you are the best at. And so uh, what I want to talk to you about is how to stay on track so that you can accomplish whatever it is he's got for you. I got to put my glasses on. I used to be able to read. How many of y'all were here when Ivan was here? He said something, and Pastor Robert has said this, bunches of people have said this, but Evidently, I was just what I needed to hear that day. He said that when God speaks to you, write it down. Y'all ever heard that? Write it down. So I went back to looking and said, have I ever written any of this stuff down? And I have, but I've lost those notebooks. You know, I don't know where they are. So then I started writing down some things just in my phone, because I generally, I lose my phone too, but I can generally keep up with my phone better than I can a a, uh, a notepad. So I started writing some of these things down and, and sitting there looking at it, realizing how God has guided my life through the things that he's told me. So I've, words from Jesus have guided my life, kept me out of being offended, and brought me out of deception. And I want to go over, I'm, I'm going to get to how he got me out of being offended and how he kept me or got me or kept me from getting offended and got me out of deception. I'm going to get there. But I want to I just go over a little bit about how God has guided my life. I want to use my life as an example. And then hopefully at the end of this you'll go, you know, maybe I need to write some of that stuff down. Maybe what God told me I need to write it down. So in the future you can go back and say, yeah, God was guiding my life there. Because I don't know about you, but every, someone says, God told me this, God told me that. And that is true. God has told me things. But I can't tell you 100% for sure that when I hear something, that that was God telling me that specific thing. I mean, I have doubts. Any of y'all ever have doubts that you hear something? I mean, unless it's written in the Bible, then you can go, well, that's for sure. But, you know, if you're, if, if you're just praying and you hear something, you go, well, was that God or not? I generally, or would used to, lost the notebook, write it down. And then I would go back and see in time, yeah, was that God or was that not? But anyway, I'm going to go over a little bit of Tracy and I's life and how God guided us, or me anyway, to begin with. I grew up in San Antonio till about till the fifth grade, then we moved here. Uh, got saved in my grandparents' uh, living room with nobody preaching to me, just Holy Ghost. I didn't know that term at the time, but Holy Spirit dealt with me. I said, yeah, Jesus, you know, I don't want to go to hell. That was basically my prayer. At probably 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood, 
So then was just the normal teenager up through high school. Good kid, didn't get in any trouble that I can remember. Somebody might be here that will remember who. Where's Helen? Yeah, don't ask my sister. Yeah, I'd leave my sister out of this. Pretty good kid. Spent most of my time playing sports and, and hunting at the ranch. Uh, just didn't really know that God wanted to direct my life through his word. Didn't really read the Bible much. Just was a, the normal basic kid growing up. <laughs> so when I, to hear words from God, that was, that was something new for me because I, I really didn't. I was just doing what I thought I needed to do. Uh, after high school, married my, my lovely wife back there two weeks after she graduated high school. She graduated high school, and two weeks later, we got married. And uh, someone said, well, did, you, did God tell you to marry her? No, nope, she was just a good-looking thing that I wanted to marry. <laughs> I think God may have told her back in the fifth grade that, that she was going to marry me, but it took me a little while to come around. I didn't. Anyway. But we've been married almost 39 years now. So, so after, after uh, we got married, I was working uh, around town as a carpenter and just doing different things. And how many of y'all remember the uh, 80s, mid-80s? Y'all remember those? All right. You think the interest rates and all that's bad now. You didn't live the 80s. Because the 80s, you know, interest rates went to 15, 16, 17 percent. Uh, everybody quit building. There was, you know, it got rough around here. So we had been married about five months, and my wife comes up to me and says, I'm pregnant. I went, Really? Now what are we going to do? Because, I mean, I, I mean, what do you do? I mean, like, we're 19 years old or 20 or I don't remember. She was 18 and I was 19, 20, however old I was. And uh, I thought about it and I thought, you know, I, there's nothing to do here. What am I going to do? And so still talking about God leading you, I hadn't got there yet. God's not leading me. I'm just trying to figure this out on my own at this time. So we survive around here until she's about seven months pregnant, and the re realization hits me that we're going to have a kid. He's actually standing out there. He's about the six-foot-seven-inch tall one out there at the front door. And they had... I had someone ask me the other day, how did you, how did, where did he get his height? I said, his mama. She said, well, how tall is she? I said, she's pushing 5'4". I said, I don't know where he got his height. His grandparents, I guess. But, so, I'm the realization that we're going to have a kid, and I can't pay for it. Now, y'all heard Robert's story last week about how God paid for Joseph's broken arm? God probably had the same thing in mind for us to pay for our child if I'd have just listened. But I decided it'd be better to go join an army because they're going to, in that package deal, 
not only do they give you a paycheck every month, that your medical is paid for. So this is all I'm looking at. It's not, it's not like God is directing my life at this time. I'm just trying to figure out life on my own at this moment. So we get in the military. Next thing I know, my wife's seven months pregnant, and I'm in the military, and I'm thinking, what did you do? Where did this come from? That thought had never crossed my mind to go to the military. Everybody said, well, they would be awfully patriotic to go do that. No, I was starving. I needed something to do. And I wasn't going to go get on welfare or go to the unemployment line because there was options. That was my option. So now we find ourselves in the military. I go to basic training. In a hurricane, there are not many hurricanes hit New Jersey, but I was in New Jersey in a hurricane in a tent. First sergeant comes up there and says, you have a son. I went, can I go see him? Absolutely not. So went through basic training, then went through AIT, had a new son, and I, did, I didn't see Chad for two months. Is that right? Around two months. So... Uh, Get through with all that, come home, or come back here. I, I had orders for uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. So we get to come back, get Tracy. We all moved to Fort Knox, Kentucky. Go there. We're there together. We get to spend maybe three months together, and I'm off again. They send me off. So I'm gone, I don't know how long, six months that time? Five months? Five months, six months that time? Gone. Come back. I get back. Still, what I'm saying is God, I'm not listening to God. I'm just trying to figure this out on my own at this, at this moment. After about a, a year, however long it was, I get orders for Korea. And I'm like, this is not good. I've not been, I've only got to see my wife, you know, just like in two and three month periods. And then I'm gone. And now they're telling me I'm going to be in Korea for uh 14, well, it was a year. It ended up being 14 months. And it's a, it's, it's a single deployment. You don't get to take your family. So now I'm thinking, maybe we ought to start talking to God. Maybe this ain't working. Maybe we ought to start talking to God. The, the first thing that I could remember God telling me was, I said, my, my prayer was, God, you got to get me out of this. I don't want to go to Korea. I'll go anywhere but Korea. Just let me stay with my family. This is what he said. This is what I wrote down what I thought he said. And at the time, I was like, I'm not 100% sure he said that or not. But looking back on it now, he probably did. He said, you signed up for this. Go where they send you and get out when your hitch is up. Well, that ain't what I wanted to hear. But I did sign up. I didn't ask him about it. I just signed up for the military. And he said, you put, basically, he said, you put yourself under that authority. Go do what they tell you to do, and when your hitch is up, get out. That's all I heard. So wife and I said our goodbyes, and, and uh, I went to Korea. On the way to Korea, I, I heard the second thing God ever told me. Because I was, I was going to uh, Camp Red Cloud, uh, which is in Weejongbu, South Korea. And I'm married. I have two kids at that time, Michael that was born. 
And all the guys were saying, man, you're going to love the village. I'm like, what's in the village? And they started telling me what's in the village. And I'm like, I don't need to be in the village. That is not where I need to go. The village. On the way over there, God spoke the second thing to me. He says, don't put yourself in a position to sin. Talking about how, how God guides your life, right? All I had to do when someone said, hey, Dwayne, you want to go down the village? The answer is no. Why? God said, don't put myself in a position to sin, and I'm pretty sure there's sinning going on down there. I've listened to y'all when you come back, I'm pretty sure. So I ain't going. So after about a month or two of old guys coming up and said, hey, come on, let's go. You know, you say no long enough, they'll finally leave you alone. That was the second time I heard God talk to me. Kept me out of trouble. Then, about halfway through my hitch, it was uh, going to be, or uh, my deployment, it was going to be, uh, it was Chris, fixing to be Christmas time. So I'm like, man, I'd really like to go home and see my family, but we can't, Tracy and I cannot afford an airline ticket from uh, Seoul, South Korea to San Antonio back to, then I got to go back, so it's a round trip ticket. They can't do it. So the first sergeant came in there and told me, he said, hey, Dwayne, there's, a, there's an orphanage down the street down here that they will pay for your ticket if you'll take a couple orphans back with to the states that have been adopted. I went, hey, I can do that. So I go down there and talk to them. They get some information. I mean, we already had some more security clearances than you can have. I was, already had all the security clearances, so they didn't have to do much back, back, background checks. I said, yep. Show up on such and such date, we'll pay your trip. You're going to take them to New York. Then we will fly you from uh, New York to San Antonio. Then you'll have a round uh, ticket back from San Antonio to Atlanta, Georgia, back to uh, Seoul, South Korea, Japan, or actually Alaska, Japan, Seoul, South Korea. So, okay. Well, I showed up there, and they handed me two one-week-old babies, two of them. Two of them. I haven't even been around my kids. To this day, I don't think I've changed a diaper. I don't think. My wife, she may, no, she's saying, no, you never did. So they hand me these two, like, this big, little bitty things. And said, thank you, and walked off. And I'm standing there going, now what? So I wander up to the airplane, and we met at the airplane, go up there, and these two uh, Korean ladies, elderly Korean ladies, who spoke a little bit of English, I spoke a little bit of Korean, not much, so we could kind of understand each other, and uh, they basically said, do you need help? And I said, yes, I need help. Anyway, they took care of those kids all the way to New York, got off, got the parents took pictures yay yay I'm like I need to go I'm going home I hadn't seen my wife in a long time anyway while we're here this church was going and my wife said hey let's go to Living Waters Church I don't remember it wasn't it was here wasn't it we were in I mean the building this part of the building wasn't here but it was I don't remember if there was building the building or if we're at the community. I don't remember where it was. But anyway, let's come here. So come here, and we Tracy and I met Robert and Laura. So on the way, I, I spend my, my leave here and ready to go home or ready to go back to uh, Korea. 
And on the, I don't remember if it was on the way back to Korea or when I got to Korea, the third thing God ever spoke to me said, when you get out, come back and support Robert and Laura in the ministry. That was the third thing. So basically I've got get out of the military, don't go places where they're sinning over there, and when you do get out, come back and help Robert and Laura. So we did. We came back. I got out of the military, uh, came back uh, in 1989, and we have been helping them since uh, 1989. But that did not help the fact that we were still starving. Because we got back out of the military, come back over here, and we were kind of talking about it here a day or two ago. I think we were making $800 a month cutting firewood and cleaning chimneys. And you say, well, $800 a month, that was a lot in the 80s. No, it wasn't. Wasn't. Had a $300 truck payment and a $250 rent on the house, and then you have to buy the food. You maybe We've all been there, right? Everybody's been there. So now we've got this problem, that we're, we're just struggling to survive. Uh, one of the things, actually, I didn't write it down here. I think God just reminded me of it, was one of the things he told us to start tithing, which was a, has absolutely changed our lives over a period of time, not like it happened tomorrow, but over a period of time. So, Matt, we're, we're back here. We're, uh, we're helping Robert and Laura. They're doing youth ministry, and we're helping them in any way we can. And uh, I'm working, trying to do whatever, whatever I can. And it comes to a point where, where uh, past, Robert becomes the pastor, and he wants to enlarge this, this church. This church went from, hope I don't get out of the camera, right here, that way. All of this was not here. And everything was turned that way. So we, we talk about it and said, yeah, I can build that. I, I, we can do that. So we start building. We're going to add on to this over here. Now, talk about how God kept me from getting offended. Because this was a good one. Everybody turn around and look at that cross right over there. See that cross? It's an innocent looking cross. But me and Robert liked to parted ways on that cross. He got mad. I got mad. We threw down right here in the middle of this slab right here, right about there. Threw stuff. Kicked. Finally turned around and walked off. So that night I could sit there and went, well, he's wrong. And I'm sure Robert said, he's wrong. Because that's what offense is, Right. So then I had to go back and say and look at C number three of what God told you. One, two, three. Come back and help Robert and Laura. You can't do that if you're mad at them, right? He can't accept my help if he's mad at me, right? So now we got a choice. What are we going to do? I can either be offended at him, he can be offended at me, or we can get over it. So guess what we chose? Get over it. Look at Matthew 18.6. Now, actually, I'm going to go back up to 2. Said, then, Jesus said, then Jesus called a little child to himself in the midst of them. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, as little children, 
you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's not just talking about little children there. He's talking about people who humble themselves as little children. We all agree on that? Yep. Whoever receives one of these little, one little child or someone who humbles himself as one of those little child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, I would, it would be better for him that a milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown down in the depths of the sea. Most people take that, and it is true. They take that and say, see, there, that person offended me. It'd be better for them that they would take someone, tie a rope around their neck and throw their butts in the... That's what most people think. They offended me, therefore that person... Tie a rope around his neck, put a rock on it, and chunk him. That's what most people... And that is true. You're not supposed to go around just offending people just because... That's what you want to do. But look at verse 7. He changes here. Woe to the world because of offenses. You know what an offense is? It's basically a trap. Uh, the word means trap, like you're trapping varmints or setting a trap or something like that. For offenses must come, but woe to, woe to that man by whom the offense comes. That more sounds like someone's got an offense on the inside of them, right? They're, they've got something on the inside of them. Then he says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off, cut it off and cast it from you. Verse 9 said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I don't really think he's talking about you need to cut your hand off. I think what he's talking about is that if you're offended, you need to find out what's got you offended and get rid of it. Just get rid of it. That's what... Pastor Robert and I did, we, I knew what was offending me. There was no, I didn't have to go, God, what am I offended about? I knew. And it was either get over it, forgive, and let's go on, which we did, been best friends before then and after. But I want you to write this down. Offense is not what other people do to you, but how you handle what they did to you. And once you take an offense, you are contagious. Just like the old coronavirus going around. Everybody had the coronavirus. They said, uh, you know, you're contagious and you can spread it and, and all that. Well, an offended person will spread offense also. And he, back over in 18, uh, it says it'd be better to cut that thing off and get rid of it so that you are not that person who's out there offending other people. One more story, and then Tacey's going to have to deal with the cafe. <laughs> Actually, let me tell you, look at 1821. There is an antidote for offense. You know what an antidote for offense is? Forgiveness. Just forgive them. So I don't know if I can. Well, it's to your benefit, if you do, to get it figured out and to forgive them. You'll go on. That one incident right there, if, if Robert and I wouldn't have have said, you know what, this is pretty petty, we need to get over this, would have stopped what God had called me to do. Either I wouldn't have, if it had been on my part, if I would have said, I'm going to stay offended, then I, how can I help someone who I'm offended with? And if it would have been on his part, and if he had decided not to get over it, how would he have let me help him? So you see, that's, those, those words from, from Jesus will help you stay out of the bar ditch. The other one is deception. So we talk about offense, get rid of your offense. 
and deception. Now, the, the problem with deception, I knew I was offended. The problem with deception, you don't know you're deceived. Someone tell you you're deceived, you're like, uh, no, I'm not. Why? The, the nature of deception. What is deception? Deception's you think you're right and you're wrong. So, back to high school. We are, well, before that, let me, let me preface this. I grew up thinking, I'm not going to blame it on anybody. I'm not going to blame it on anybody. But I grew up thinking that if you didn't go to the church that I went to, you weren't saved and God probably didn't even like you. That's just what I thought. Okay? So that's what I thought. You could have told me you're wrong. I said, no, you're wrong. That's what I think. That's, I don't know where I got it. You know, but I got it from somewhere. Don't think it was a Bible. Anyway, I got it from somewhere. So back to high school. We are playing uh, basketball against Central Catholic High School in San Antonio. And we're getting our butts kicked, which we weren't used to because we're a pretty good basketball team. And uh, we're on the free throw line. The game's pretty much over. We're going to get beat. You know, they're shooting free throws. And evidently they could, this one kid's standing next to me on the foul line there, saw that I wasn't really happy. And he said, he looked over and he said, you know, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And I can't really repeat what I told him here. But my mind was, it's a Catholic church. You don't go to the right church. My thinking, right? You can't be saved and pretty sure God don't even like you. So that, that was my thinking. Until I got to Korea again. Korea did a lot of good for me. It's a really good thing God didn't pull me out of that and not make me go. And say, that's all right, we'll pull you out of this situation. I understand it's tough and you want to be with your family. He didn't do that. He said, no, you go and get out when it's over. And I did, and I learned a lot in Korea. Because I was by myself and I wasn't going to the village. So I had, had a Bible. Might as well read it. So I did. And look at Mark 9.38. So this is past. I mean, I was in high school. That conversation with that guy went on. And so now I'm... In the military, I'm in Korea, I've got some time, I'm reading my Bible. So I'm telling you how, how the words from God guided my life, kept me from getting offended, and got me out of deception. This is the get me out of deception one. I was reading this, Mark nine thirty eight. Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, don't forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Uh, well, that guy did say Jesus loved me. So I got thinking, maybe he is on our side. Maybe you don't have to come through these doors. Maybe you can get saved out of under an oak tree. Deception that was in my life that once the, I started reading the word, found the word, say, hey, wait a minute. All of y'all are included. It's not just me. All, everybody, everybody gets a chance to get in. Deception. I guess what I'm saying is write down the things you think God is speaking to you. Even if, if you're just praying and you hear something, write it down. It may be a guideline for you later in life. 
Definitely write something down if you're reading your Bible and it jumps out at you. Definitely write that down because you don't have to wonder whether that's God or not. You just write it down. That's God. And those things will keep you from getting sidelined in life. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to go on and at the end of your days when, when it's, it's time for you to go meet Jesus, you can at least look back and say, man, I, I, I stayed on course. Now, you might get off course a little bit and God have to maneuver you back and all that. But the main thing is get back, right? You want to get back. Amen? Amen. Church Bible. One other thing God told me, and it, it's, it, it was for me, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what, what it was. I don't know if it would be for you or not. It wouldn't because it, it was for me. <laughs> I've never been a writer or a reader or just never, never did do much of it. Well, say they write poetry. I have never wrote a poem. I don't know if that surprised you or not, but I've never wrote a poem. <laughs> but the other day, it's been a while. It's been a couple years ago now. Uh, I started, I don't know why, I just sit down and I started writing. And this is what I wrote, and I'm like, that's good. That was good. You almost have to have a military background to understand what it says, but it says, my God takes up positions on my left, and my God takes up positions on my right. He has my six, and he walks point before me. He owns the skies above my head with my enemies continually painted. My soul walks easy today because my God is with me. Now, that is something that when things are going sideways, God spoke to me. And I can sit there and go, you're with me. Don't have to wonder, you're with me. Amen? Stand up. We have a prayer team, Frankie? Prayer team, come on up. My beautiful wife is on the prayer team. You got lucky. (laughs) Father, I just thank you for just what you're doing in everybody's life. Lord, I ask you to give, just give revelation knowledge to each and every person here. Lord, as they read their Bible, Lord, let words and phrases uh, jump out to them that will guide their lives. Lord, I thank you as they're in their prayer time and they hear your voice. Lord, that those are words that will guide their lives. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, I ask you to be with Pastor Robert and everything that's going on down there today and give him safe trip home in Jesus' name. Amen.